It's cooled off a little bit, huh? At least this morning so far, it's cooled off a little bit. It's good, good, good to have you here. Welcome, welcome. I think I'm seeing all familiar faces, but if it's your first time here, please know that we have some welcome packages for you. They're at the door as you walk in on the glass table. Pick one up, take it with you, check it out, learn a little bit more about who we are and what we do and what we believe. And we'd love to get to know you better. So stay afterwards and have some goodies with us. We'd love to, to meet you and, and get to know who you are. And let's see, I am Reverend Debbie, as I said, and it is my joy to be here with you today. As we're moving along, John Francis has left me. Who will be doing my PowerPoint? <laughs> well, we have uh, some slides that you'll see eventually when John gets back, 100 Years of Science of Mind. And then uh, the, the theme for this month is wholeness. So all of July, we're talking about wholeness. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit specifically about wholeness today. And uh, today's talk title is... The consciousness that heals. The consciousness that heals. So today that's uh, in the Science of Mind textbook, Living the Science of Mind, on page 247, which is the uh, book that we've been using all year long. I've talked about that to you before. So we're going to start out by talking a little bit about wholeness, a little bit more about wholeness. And what is that? What is that? You know, uh, back in February, we had the opportunity here at the center to have Dr. Kathy Hearn come out and do a... a a group process with us. So it was Dr. Kathy and about a dozen of us came together and we got to look at what the vision was for our center. And, um, you know, we had this, the vision of those that had been there a long time. We had the vision of the new people. We had the new minister's vision. And it was just at the time that Reverend Megan was joining us, so we got to invite Reverend Megan to be part of it so her vision could be part of it. And as we came together, we spent about two days together, and I'll tell you more about all that came forward from that. But the word, the word of God that came forward for us as a center was wholeness was wholeness. Now, I'm told that that was also the word of God that came forward when you did your co-creation for a new minister. So, the word here that we're wanting and that's resonating here around Monterey Center for Spiritual Living is wholeness. I know that Monterey CSL is a revelation of God as wholeness, of God as wholeness. Ernest Holmes' quote that we chose, that we liked, is let us seek wholeness above all else. Let us seek wholeness above all else. Now, why do you think that Ernest Holmes would say that? Why would Ernest say, seek wholeness above all else? You know, because the entire reason that we suffer, that we experience any lack or any want in our life, is because we've forgotten our wholeness. Somehow we've bought into some belief about separation. You know, in practitioner training, uh, we're told that every problem boils down to some belief in separation. Somewhere we've come to believe that we are separate from the divine, therefore not whole. But if we can remember, in fact, that we can never be separate from, then we are always whole perfect, whole, and complete, as we like to say around New Thought churches, that we are always whole. So if we can remember our wholeness, then we can master anything that comes our way in life. So Ernest, does, his statement is quite true. He says in the, um, today's textbook, to the, the, the essay for today, 
When one separates themselves from the divine fire, they become an isolated spark. We are strong only when we are united with life. As soon as our consciousness is detached from spiritual wholeness, we can no longer draw from that inexhaustible reservoir of internal existence. So as soon as in our minds we become separate from, we've cut ourselves off. We've cut ourselves off from the good, from the light, from the flow, from all that is. There's a saying, and I'm sure that you've all said it, and they're not exactly sure. It's been attributed to a couple different people, but there's no proof of, either of them saying it. We do not see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. We don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. You know, in this quote, what it summarizes is that the idea that truth, the truth that one perceives, is subjective and can be wrong, right? That our truth may not be the truth. It's our perception based on what we've experienced, the filters that we have. There was an author uh, and a TED Talk speaker, and, and, and she does, you know, talks other than TED Talks, Katherine Schultz. She's the author of the book Being Wrong. She calls herself a wrongologist. She says it was very good uh, job security because there's not many of them, right? But she studies this whole idea of being wrong, and what is that, and what does that look like? And uh, she says, neutral events are made subjective by interpreting them through the lens of perception. Truth is merely a product of perception. Perceptions are colored by experiences, which is then filtered through the current state of mind and altered even further. Right? So when we think that we know something, it's just simply our knowing. It's not the knowing. Uh, she says, the miracle of your mind isn't that you can see the world as it is. It's that you can see the world as it isn't as it isn't. The miracle of your mind isn't that you can see the world as it is, it's that you can see the world as it isn't. The point of her talk is that we're often not only wrong, but we're totally unaware of the fact that we're wrong, right? So we go around justifying our wrongness, thinking it's the truth, thinking it's the truth. You know, we each view the world through our own stories. You know, it's so much of the work that we do here in Science of Mind, so much of the work that we do in classes, so much of the work that we do with practitioners is uncovering those lies that we're telling ourselves, that we're broken, that there's something wrong with us, that my childhood made me do this, or my parents made me do this, or the teachers, and, and I'm a product of all that stuff, and don't you know there's something wrong with me? But the truth is that you're whole, that you're whole right here and right now that there's nothing broken, there's nothing that needs to be fixed, right? We talked a couple of weeks ago that healing is simply revealing that which is already there, the wholeness of who you are. You know, we had uh, recently the uh, boys, the soccer team that was stuck in the cave, you know, and they were in there with their coach. And their coach was a 25-year-old young man who had lost his entire family when he was 10 years old. And he had become a monk and lived in the monastery. And uh, then he uh, decided to turn his life, his mission, his, his, his purpose in life was to work with these young boys. And so he was with them on this, uh, uh, this adventure that they were on, and, and uh, they got trapped. 
the, fl the flash flood came up and they were trapped in this cave. And what he did is he taught the boys meditation. He taught the boys meditation so they could stay calm. You know, so the, and, and he gave up his own food so the boys could have food. In fact, when they rescued them, he was the weakest of everyone. He was, had, had, had food and all the time that they were down there. And there's a lot of people that are upset at the coach. They're upset at the coach because what the heck is he doing bringing those boys into the cave? You know, and the truth is he did not bring the boys into the cave. The boys went to the cave and he went in to find them. He went in to get them. And when he went in to get them, the flood came and they had to go farther back into the cave. You know, the assumptions that we make without knowing the full story, without knowing the full truth of what happened. You know, especially nowadays with social media and all that we see, you know, to really know what is the true from the false and to separate it all, we really have to use our own discernment. You know, we really need to use our own discernment to look. There's a story of a king, a king who was very tired of everybody in his kingdom being dishonest. So he decided he was going to uh, make them tell the truth. So one morning when the gates of the city opened, the people that were waiting to go into the city, they saw that the gallows had been built right inside of the gate to the city and that there was a uh, messenger there who said, whoever enters the city must answer a question given to you by the, uh, uh, the, the herald, I think it was called his name. And, uh, and so the first gentleman, Mala, he walked in and uh, they asked him the question, where are you going? Tell us the truth or you will be hung. He said, well, I'm going to be hung from the gallows. And they said, that is not the truth. And he says, well, then I've lied and you must hang me from the gallows. And the confused messenger said, but well, then that would be the truth. And he said, yes, your truth, right? There's your truth, my truth, and the real truth somewhere else, somewhere else in all of that. Dr. Ken Gordon, who's the uh, spiritual leader for Centers for Spiritual Living Worldwide, he uh, always does a little video that I post to our Facebook page. I hope some of you see it and read it or watch it. It's always based on the week's talk, and he does a little kind of three-minute talk, and so I post it usually after the Sunday. And he says this week, he says, all of our limitations are self-imposed. All of our limitations are self-imposed. Now, that seems like silly. Why would we put limitations on ourselves, right? But again, by our thinking, by our very thought, we are limiting ourselves. When we are believing that we are less than whole, we have set that limitation on ourselves. He says, once we come to realize that we are part of the whole of life, that we cannot be separated from it, we cease to have a limited, biased view of the world and the people in it. We are awakened to the idea that we are connected to the infinite that we're connected to the infinite. You know, Jesus said in the Bible, uh, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. You know, we're talking about the truth of spiritual man. We're talking about the truth of who you truly are. When we take away this earth suit, you know, we're all that spirit. We're all that essence. We're all exactly the same. We are no different one from each other at all, at all. You know, are we willing to stop telling ourselves the lies that we tell ourselves? That we're damaged, that there's something wrong with us, that somebody with a different skin color is different than me, 
somebody in a different socioeconomic class is different than me, that I am better than or less than one of my neighbors, one of my friends? Are we willing to stop telling ourselves those stories? Dr. Ken, he writes in the Science of Mind magazine here, that's this month, he always has a little column in the front. He says, we are always complete. We were born complete and we shall be complete when we leave this plane. As a practitioner, I'm far too often guilty of a dysfunctional, destructive compassion brought about by my own judgments and opinions that just add to the social, societal belief in separation and disability. I forget that our freedom to be whole is always with us. I buy into the belief that something is wrong or broken in a universe that works in perfection. And I add to the societal concept that says wholeness is having everything the way I think it should be. I should wake up and grow up, he says. But then I remember, even asleep, ignorant, and immature, I am still free to be whole. There is only one life. That life is God's life. That life is perfect. And that life is my life now. You know, so that's the leader of our entire movement, saying, yes, we get into judgment. Yes, we forget these spiritual principles. But the minute we turn, the minute we turn back to remembering the truth of our being, we are free. Right? We're limited by nothing but our belief about the thing. I love to remember that. When I'm feeling like a victim, when I'm feeling less than, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when I'm feeling like life isn't working, that's what I get to remember. That the only limitation is the limitations I've put on myself. The consciousness that heals. So what is the consciousness that heals, right? I had an opportunity this week, uh, Reverend Megan and I both, we got to be on a webinar with Dr. Kathy Hearn, and it was a class on wholeness. So that was perfect, right? And what she says is that uh, Emma Curtis Hopkins and Mary, Mary Baker Eddy, the founder of Christian Science and one of her students who broke off later on, studied how Jesus healed. That's what they were really interested in, is how did Jesus do his healing work? And what they concluded was, that he saw wholeness in people regardless of appearance. That he said, stand up and walk. He saw the wholeness, always. And that's how he did his healing work. Can you see the wholeness in your neighbor? Can you see the wholeness in your partner, in your child, in someone who's pissed you off? Can you see the wholeness? Can you? You know, Dr. Kathy said and Dr. Ken both say that the way that we can remember wholeness is by doing our spiritual practice, by meditation, prayer, visioning. Dr. Kathy says when we're in meditation, we're in, in that place of non-conditioning, that place where we've let go of the conditions of the world. We're in that place of love. We're in that place of love and only love, and everything unlike it falls away. The consciousness that heals is definite and deliberate. It is a specializing of the universal law. In this law, we may have absolute and implicit confidence, but we must also remember that the law can do for us only what it can do through us. 
Its energy and creativeness must be interpreted through our belief and imagination. So it comes through us. So we want our filters to be clear, right? We want those windows to our soul to be clear. So what comes through us can be clear. What's, what things you, so ever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall. This one, Ernest writes this in today's essay, and this really gave me pause. Faith is the attitude of one who makes a complete mental surrender. A complete mental surrender. I mean, how often are we in a complete mental surrender? How often are we like, okay, absolutely insistent in acceptance. What is, is. That we're absolutely surrendered, that we've let go of our little ideas and our little things that we think have to happen, and we're in an absolute place of faith and trust. God, I believe, help my unbelief. That's a prayer that I like to say a lot. God, I believe, help my unbelief. Because even though I believe, there's a part of me that's like, eh, really? I'm not sure, right? So I want to move through that place of unbelieving. You know, how many of you have had, have had the experience of struggling with something? Struggling with a situation or a relationship or some event that's going on in your life, and finally you get to that place, you're like, uncle, I give up, I surrender, and it all of a sudden just works perfectly. Everything falls into place, right? As soon as we're willing to let go of it. Reminding me of this little poem, I guess it is. It's the end of a talk, but it's kind of cute, and it's to the point. As, a ch as children bring their broken toys with tears for us to mend, I brought my broken dreams to God because he was my friend. But then instead of leaving him in peace to work alone, I hung around and tried to help with ways that were my own. At last, I snatched them back and cried, how can you be so slow? My child, he said, what could I do? You never did let go. Right? How often are we doing that? Faith has no opposites. It's an uncompromising mental attitude. Faith has no opposites. The consciousness that heals is the consciousness that has absolute faith that wholeness is the truth of each and every individual. That each one is a manifestation of the divine and as such, each is perfect and whole. The consciousness that heals. So this week, as you go about your life, I want you to remember that you are whole. God bless you. So glad that you're here today. Thank you. Thank you. Bevin Gregg. <laughs>